this is a tool in the toolbox. This is another tool in the toolbox. I think this is a tool that you should really focus on using. You should have an in-group and you should make people, you should make everybody that works for you feel that they're in your in-group. This has nothing to do with personality. Hopefully. This has nothing to do with personality. This has everything to do with establishing a good working relationship among everyone in your group. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Handbook, your guide to life, leadership, and health. I'm your host, Gene Reed. That quote you just heard was our guest for episode number 12 and our first repeat guest, Sergeant J.P. Pizer. J.P. is a police sergeant with the Newcastle County Police. He was on episode number nine where we did what's called a leadership lesson, which is just a brief look into some of the leadership philosophies, theories that are out there. Episode nine, we did situational leadership. If you haven't already listened to that one, I highly recommend you go do so just because we do reference that episode a couple of times in this one, but this episode can definitely stand on its own. So in this episode, we cover what's called leader member exchange. It's basically just a general principle and theory when it comes to in groups and out groups that leaders may have and the different resources that individuals in the in group versus individuals in the out group may have and just how leaders can monitor that and do what they can to bring the majority of people within the in-group. So I hope you enjoy, and as always, if you learn something, share something. Thank you. So what are we talking about? Disney, microwaves, microphones. Battlestar Galactica. Battlestar Galactica. So here, I love your fridge, too. The only thing I don't like about it, I don't like the, the freezer on the bottom. It just makes me feel like... Wow. <laughs> what saying. the... F- Dude... Is there what else don't you like? Tell me more things you don't like because I'll have people here and they'll be like, uh, that like one of my buddies is a contractor and he'll show up and he's like, oh, that's how they did that, huh? And I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and it's just <laughs> that's one way to do that. Yeah, I'm like, uh, is that bad or good? What, what are we talking about here? Well, it's easier because then the kids can hang on it and break it. <laughs> do you know what I mean? We like yeah. to keep, uh, I like to keep most of my liquor accessible to people under three feet, as you can tell from like the wine over there yeah. and the mini bar in there. Oh yeah. Where the, the bourbon's on the pot, just in case, you know what I mean? Just in case they have a tough day at preschool. So our fridge died or it was a, yeah, it died like a few years ago or whatever. And, and we were shopping for a new one and we, again, we have a small house. So like it's an old school house. So I'm, double door fridges were not a thing when yeah. the house was built yeah so you just have the single door kind i remember showing it to brooks fitzpatrick and yeah. he's like oh that's like a like a, a garage fridge no that's how fridges used to be <laughs> they only used to open from one side yeah and i, remember, I was like oh but we got stainless steel man the non-finger it, it's not the fingerprint resistant kind worst thing ever well, that's supposedly what that is but there you can still see shit on there why do they call this leader member exchange and not just in groups versus out groups? Uh, because I think it does need to go both ways. Uh, the the big thing, so the big thing that I think we miss on this one is the holistic view of this, right? So when we talk about in groups and out groups, from like let's say our positions as sergeants, right? We think that we are um, a part of one in group. Right. And that's our followership and us. But what we need to really imagine is um, like, take it literally, take the chain of command literally. Right. So you have overlapping circles. And and this is something we'll talk about when I talk about um, like family dynamics and how this is applied in a personal life as well. If you have a family, that's your in-group too. But also in your in-group is like, the supervisors of your family. So like me and my wife are in our own in group, Mm. just like it would be, it would be a little, um, I guess unacceptable to say that you have an officer first class inside your in group of all of your supervisors. Right. Right. So you can see how the chain is built. So you have your in group built into the chain of your supervisor in group built into the chain of your supervisors, supervisor in group, and so up. So it's like a yeah, uh, subsets of in groups. Sure. And that's, that's really the holistic approach for it. Um, but where we want to talk about it is how we manipulate this theory to make it work for us either in a professional level or personal level. 
So again, what I'm going to say, and I'm going to preface this just like everything else with this might not be your problem. You know what I mean? Just like with, uh, just like with situational leadership. Yep. Right. This might not be your problem. You might have a good in group and you're misjudging people's skill sets. So your issue might be situational leadership and it might not be this. Right. But this is something to look at to say, am I forming a good in group? Am I making that work for me? And is it functional? I'm going to spill my coffee. Please don't. I know. What kind of coffee is that? It is. I don't know. My wife buys it. We put it in the Nespresso. I press the button. Coffee comes out. It's black. Would you like some? No. There is espresso too. Mm. Not to be confused with espresso. I don't say, I I wouldn't say I'm a coffee snob. I mean, I just, I've only been introduced into coffee or the world of coffee in the last year and a half. And I've only tried Black Rifle Coffee and I haven't, literally haven't consumed anything else. Sometimes I like a milder coffee. Sometimes. Yeah. Uh, sometimes I don't, sometimes I just make mud and I want some caffeine. You thought I was going to point out another thing that I thought that you were going to say, I'm not a coffee snob, but which always comes after that comes something <laughs> snobbish. <laughs> uh, we know cause we can smell our own. All right. So are we going to start? Yeah, let's start, get started. Started. We kind of already did start. I mean, okay. whatever. We can chop this up however you want. Yeah, me asking kind of the reasoning behind why it's called leader member exchange. But oh yeah, well, see. can you summarize leader member exchange? Sure. In a couple sentences for sure people listening. So leader member exchange is the leadership theory by which we establish as leaders in groups and out groups. So. In our in-groups, we provide people with six indicators of an in-group. So we'll provide them with things like a high degree of communication and influence on decisions, priority of task assignment, job latitude, support, and attention. So in our in-group, they're provided all of that. Outside of our in-group to the out-group, they get uh, some or really none of it, which makes our in-group members more productive uh, more committed to the organization, more committed to the mission, and our outgroup members are probably going to be less committed, less productive. So it's really, really benefits everything to have everybody who's in our followership in our in-group. Yeah, you're providing them more resources. Sure. And you're making yourself more available and you're making yourself a resource. It's the same thing as... Um, it, it's, I don't want to say you're building value into yourself, but you, you kind of are, uh, but you're also instilling value on your followership for when they become leaders, right? Which is ultimately the goal is to have your followership take your spot at some point and step up and step into a leadership role. And you can demonstrate these are all the good things that you can do to achieve a good working relationship with everybody in your group. Now, the different indicators of that. Um, I'm going to stop you right there yeah. for one second. So something I just thought of, and I, I, I didn't think of this before, but mm-hmm. having in groups and out groups, it gets, it sounds like it gets more difficult to provide the necessary resources. It's going to be common sense, but like the more people that you have, under sure. your command sure right so if you have three people sure or if you have i mean we typically within our apartment you don't get more than 10 i would say that's kind of the safe number to have an actual direct impact on right um yeah so there's levels to this sure so it's you're you're going to provide everyone with something different if if that makes sense so you sure. can't communicate again with your senior or master corporal the same way you communicate with your slick sleeve. Um, and with, with the first thing with the leader member exchange, I think this is important to recognize because it fits into the last thing. It's the leader's tendency to treat individual followers differently. Some followers become more trusted, become closer and others distant and less influential to the group. So what we want to do is bring everybody into that um, trusted, influential sort of thing. Now, does that mean everybody gets the exact same level of influence? 
Certainly not. Right. But give some influence to everybody. Give some communication to everybody. Is it easy for me? I have three guys right now. Um, we communicate very often. You know what I mean? I have yep. the luxury of sitting down with everybody every single day. And they can make decisions on what we do that day. I provide them with the capacity to make decisions. And it's pretty broad scale. So maybe for somebody um, maybe for somebody on patrol, you can provide them with a select set of problems to solve. Hey, we've been having thefts from motor vehicles in this area, or we've been having speeding issues. Will you address one of them? Yeah. Okay, how will you address one of them? Yep, makes sense. Let's go over these indicators because I do think okay. this is like a crucial part to the whole, you know, what you're offering to the in-group. So the first one being high degree of communication, self-explanatory, but yeah, I'll let you elaborate on it. So it's communicating good information to your in-group, right? So, um, hey, we're going to have a search warrant tomorrow. Hey, we're doing this today. Hey, can you have an op ready? Hey, I just got an email from the lieutenant saying that we have funds available to run this or do that. And you would not give that to your out group, right? So that seems like pretty wanton disregard on the part of the leader yeah. in in this. Um, you want to provide all the information to everybody. You don't want to cut people out and you want to have a free flow of information back. So what does that take from the leader to do? Well, you got to have open dialogue and you have to be able to be... Uh, you have to be able to be critical of yourself and accept some of that. So I don't know what you do when you do evals. So evals, some people look at evals as just another thing, paperwork. Uh, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to make it work for me in some sort of leadership capacity. So I always ask a question of these guys. I give them the year eval. We read through it together. I look at it. And I always ask them the question, what can I do better for you? And what can I do better for the team? And I want real and truthful answers. That's right. really what I want. Um, and that feeds into the higher degree of communication or the debriefing, right? So maybe we provide that higher degree of communication during a debriefing after whatever by trying to elicit responses. Hey, you new person, what do you think went well here? What do you think we can approve? Hey, you master corporal, what do you think? Hey, you mid guy or gal, what do you think we can improve here? And really force open that communication in a whole, and then it's also obviously going to them and opening communication on a one-to-one -one basis. And you brought up a great point with the evals because I think I think a lot of people just breeze right through them. Um, and I'm trying to think to myself. I I don't ask that question actually. And that's probably something I should be doing. I think I do it informally, right? I do do that on from time to time. Kind of ask like, hey, how can I improve? I never really incorporated into the eval process. But that's a great opportunity to do that. Yeah. Uh, just be a little reflective. And does that mean you need to take everything that they say? You know, hey, no. sir, I really think you should shave your head. Right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. oh, okay. Uh, I thank you. I really appreciate you thinking that. Or uh, Did you say that because I'm growing my hair out? Uh, I certainly noticed that. So that's why I brought it up. <laughs> Definitely the reason why. I, I'm going to have to change my poster above my bed now yeah. to add hair. Um, but, but this takes work. Everything takes work. No, I know. But I think that's that's a common theme now just with a lot of conversations I've had is this is not just you, you're going to have to actually put some thought and process into this. Are you going to plant flowers in the ground in your garden bed and be like, well, they're there. Hope it rains. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're going to mulch them, fertilize them, take mm -hmm. care of them, do yep. all that sort of thing. Got to work. Got to work. Uh, and it's constant work, right? So maybe they do bring something up in the high degree of communication phase where they're like, hey, we could do this better. Right. So mm -hmm. now they're kind of stepping out of the high degree of communication and working into the next thing, which is influence on decisions. So maybe we could do this thing a little bit better. Oh, okay. So are we allowing that influence? Um, are we allowing them to feel like I have a say and a stake in this group and now I'm getting more buy-in from them towards this group? Right. Uh, so let's not kick the horse on the high degree of communication. Let's, let's move the second thing is influence on decision-making. So when the situation warrants, are we soliciting input from them? And then are we utilizing that input in some form or fashion, right? If we don't do that, where's the buy-in? 
Yep. If we don't do that, if I don't have control, if I don't have some sort of autonomy, and I'm not saying go out and do whatever you want. I'm not saying tell me how to do my job. I'm saying, what would you like to see? What do you want? How can we improve? How can we do things differently? Okay, let's try that. And then people feel like, man, I have a stake in this organization. I have a stake in this uh, in-group. I want to be in this in-group because I have some say. Because everybody really wants some autonomy at the end of the day, right? Everybody wants to be listened to, listened to at some point and just have their opinions heard. Because if you're always asking them for their opinions and you never implement any of their thoughts, Mm -hmm. then eventually, and it's probably not going to take long, but they're going to be like, well, he's just doing this just because. Right. But if you actually ask somebody their opinion and then you actually do it, it gives some credibility and some credence to why you were doing that. Even if it's something that is almost just it's just the throwaway sort of thing like even if it's something like that so right now i'm running with four guy with three guys plus me on a street crime team right so i think what do you what do you guys think of doing two uc cars or unconventional police cars or undercover cars however whatever spin you want to put on it and Fancy. two marked stop cars right we typically don't do that with so few people we have to do it one at a time what do you guys think i like it i don't like it let's try it how'd you guys think it went Oh, I think it worked really well. Okay. Or I don't think it worked really well. And we'll sit down and discuss it. So that comes with a higher degree of communication, right? That's, that's, there's a reason that why that's the first one. Yep. Because that feeds into the rest of them. Okay. So now we're going to influence our decision making. Gene, does it really matter if we do all marked cars or some unmarked car? You know what I mean? Does mm-hmm. it really matter in the grand scheme of things? No. I think we're probably going to hit right around even on everything. Um, but now these guys feel like, okay, I have a stake in this. They're listening. We're trying different tactics. We're doing kind of what I want to do because eventually I want to move my career on to blah, 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 blah. And I like to have some UC experience. Great. So now I have a little influence on that. So that takes me into a priority of task assignment, which is the third thing where it's um, sometimes high, visit- high visibility, but mostly career enhancing tasks. So with with what we were just talking about let's say the unconventional cars so we'll do that sometimes on my street crime scene we'll do it occasionally but if you want to move up the ladder to like the special investigation squad or the drug squad one of the questions is going to be do you have any uc experience right so that is a good task to achieve Mm -hmm. on a smaller level right so now these guys can say oh yes i have had that could right. this could another example be giving somebody the assignment of say giving a briefing for an assignment where you know higher ranking members are going to be present for that? Sure. You know what I mean? So sure. allowing sure. them to have that opportunity. And now so you're jumping you're jumping a little bit down to support too. Okay. Um and that's and that's fine because I think you can kind of see that all six of these things are uh are working all together, right? Yep, they're, yep. they're all pulling together for one goal, and that is to build a better in-group and really, really mitigate your out-group. Um, so, right, so we'll give them, uh, we'll try to give them more attractive tasks. So what does that mean? What does that particularly mean, right? Because what's a good task for you is not a good task for me. Yeah, an attractive task is different depending on for the For everybody. Yeah. So you got to be able to communicate and see what they want and have a little input on them and, and see what they want to do. Okay, I want to I wanna get promoted. Okay, cool, dude. I'm going to give you some tasks that somebody who is in that sergeant position would potentially do. I want you to organize this, right? We'll have... We'll have a discussion about it. We'll see what you want to do and how you want to do it. And that goes into the job latitude portion, the uh, the fourth thing. But I'm going to provide that person with the task assignment that they think is going to benefit them. Again, if it's somebody who likes burglaries, what are we going to do with them on patrol? We're going to put them into Property that crime specialist. Right, specialist unit. If it's somebody who likes traffic enforcement, we're going to allow them to do traffic enforcement. Are we going to let either of those just completely throw all their other things away? 
probably not because that could cause an issue with your in-group because, well, now uh, officer so-and-so is just running traffic and they're not handling their complaints, right? So it's a balancing act. It's a delicate balancing act. But as long as everybody is in in the same group of communication, what's what's wrong with explaining it to everybody? So-and-so wants to go to detectives or so-and-so wants to go to street crimes. So I would like you two to pair up and do some street crime related things. And everybody goes, got it. And there's probably an elegance to not making it seem like, and you're not doing this, but just don't be confused. It's not giving things to people. You're giving them opportunities, but they're going to have to actually perform. Sure. Right. You're, you're, you're not just giving freebies away. No, 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 no. That's, I, I think people could probably confuse that. You're, you're put, you're setting them up and giving them opportunities so they can perform and do, you know, a task that will lead them in the right direction, if you will. But sure. No freebies. N- no, no free ads. No, 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 nothing like that. You don't just get it because you're in the in-group. Right. Um, but you also get it by virtue of the factor in the in-group, not just because you're there, but because you have worked your way in there and uh, the leader has worked their way to have a good in-group and have that free flow of communication. And you'll notice that a lot of the, a lot of the indicators in this theory have really nothing to do with competency, right? So none of these have really anything to do with competency from the followership point of view. So this is really a leader down theory. Yeah. So this is how you are going to uh, organize your in-group and your people and ensure that you are providing these things to them. But we also have to assess with competency. So that's where like something like situational leadership can come in. So I'm not going to provide the same priority of task assignment to a brand new person right. as I would a like five-year person, eight-year person, 22-year person. It's all going to be different. It's all going to be a situation. You can see how this theory leads into the other theory, and that's why these are taught so close together. Talk to me about, about uh, job latitude. Okay, so job, I get it, but yeah. I don't. So it, it is uh, like when we give somebody a task, right? So we, we work from the priority of task assignment. We give somebody a task that they think is good to do. Do we, do we micromanage them or do we give them autonomy? Right? So where's the boundary for that? Do they know they can come to us for help? It could be, it could be a community project. You know what I mean? Hey, I want you to organize, um, I don't know, shop with a cop or something like that. I want you to organize that. That's a big thing to organize for somebody who would be brand new who doesn't know all the resources, doesn't know all that. So how much are we going to help them do that? Where let's say you have a 22 year person who has been in the community services unit, has worked a long time and it's just like, yep, wind them up and set them down. Same, same thing with situational uh, leadership, right? Mm -hmm. You can see how that kind of flows back into the job latitude. It's just recognizing your people, having that degree of communication and knowing where they're, where they're going to be with it. Are we going to micromanage our newer people that are just off of FTL a little bit more? Are they going to have a smaller scope of influence and a smaller pool of task assignments from which they can pick? Probably, right? Absolutely. Probably. So maybe maybe the communication with them is going to be higher because you're micromanaging a little bit more. And as their competency grows, you're going to uh, maybe decrease the communication and increase the influence on decision and the priority task assignments and things like that. Um, so that's that's the job latitude is the autonomy to do your job. How well do you provide that? And you can see where that could throw off an in-group, again, just like situational, where if you are micromanaging somebody who is has competency and has confidence in their ability to do it, you're just going to throw them off. Yep. I'm um, looking at the last two here, right? Yep. Support and attention. Yep. So support is the... What do we do when something goes wrong? Okay. What do we do with a failure? What do we do when something goes right? That's the support portion. So are we providing that adequate support when something goes wrong or right? Are we pushing them in a direction that can further their goals with their priority tax assignment? How, how are we doing How are we doing that? So if something goes wrong, what do we do? Um, are we going to go to bat for that person? Are we going to say, this is why they did what they did? Are we going to explain it? Uh, not provide excuses, but here's how we're going to rectify it next time so this doesn't go wrong. I mean, it could be something very small yep. that goes wrong and provide them with a better skill set 
to make sure it's right next time or provide them with somebody who can. You know, usually when people think something goes wrong, they think like something catastrophic. I'm not talking about something catastrophic. Let's again talk about our newer people, right? Fresh off FTO, let's say. And they do something that, uh, I don't know, you read a report later on and you see that the neighborhood canvas was done improperly or incorrectly, or they saw cameras and they didn't follow up with it, right? So you're going to go to them or maybe... Or maybe you designate somebody from your somebody else from your group to go to them. Now you're thinking. Right? And you say, hey, this was a little bit of a problem. Can you just handle it with them and make sure that they can do it right the next time? Sure. N- n- no problem. Where it could have been like, hey, you missed a step on this investigation. Get me a memo. It could be. You could do that. It shouldn't be. No. But it could be. So handle it in a way that gives other people buy-in. So maybe you have an eight-year person that wants to get promoted. You say, hey, eight-year person, here's the issue that I've had with this uh, slick sleeve. Can you just go talk to them about it and explain to them the importance and blah, 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 blah. So now you are now you have communication throughout your little in-group here. That's beautiful. But what um, does that take from the leader? Well, they need confidence. Sure. You have to be confident as a leader. And, and you know, I think when you say that, I think some people might think of that as, you're asking somebody else to do your job, and I think that's a very uh, delegation is an important part delegation. of delegation. Right? I think it's a very poor understanding of what being a leader means. So, I think that you tapped on another topic, which is why I think this whole this whole leadership theory thing is fairly important. Um, even if you take just a little bit from some of these theories we're going to talk about, um, you recognize that it is. Um, well, I'm going to say recognized twice, but it's a recognized practice that's being taught. Mm-hmm. It's okay to do these things. It's okay to step out of the uh, good job, subordinate, <laughs> please improve subordinate um, <laughs> aspect of it. It's okay to Humanize treat it. people like people. It's all okay. And you're not going to always get everything right as a leader. You're just not. And followers know that. And as long as you're trying to improve and better yourself, that's, that's really what's going to be. So this is just another tool in the toolbox. All of these things are just another tool in the toolbox. Um, so that's support. Let's trudge through to the attention. So yeah. attention, think, think of attention like mentorship, right? So how far are we going to uh, mentor our subordinates? Are we going to provide them with career advice uh, when they ask for recommendations to units are we going to provide that to them when they submit a transfer request it always has on there supervisor recommendation are you going to write this person shows up for work every day or this person is definitely a police officer as evidenced by they show up dressed like a police officer and drive a police car or are you going to be able to provide some fundamental uh, actual uh, representation of the work product that they produce you know, it's funny about that, just in that specific example, when I first got promoted and I first started getting uh, training requests and stuff, like I actually wrote things in the little box that says supervisor comments that Unbelievable. were like meaningful to the right. individual person and not just putting recommended whatever. Yeah, they're a police officer. And I actually had somebody come to me like, you know, you don't have to write all that. I'm like, well... I think I will because, you know, I'm treating this person like an individual and it probably matters. Kind of same thing with emails, right? Sure. I think you can just gloss your way through emails. Sure. But why not point out some things, even if it's areas to improve on, right? Even if it's not all sunshines and rainbows, have it be individualized. Don't just check the boxes. Um, I, I like the evals. I don't like them and I like them. Because I think it's a great opportunity to check boxes, but I think if you can use it, I, I'm selfish with the evals because I use it to form a better in-group and I do it to provide people with actual feedback on how they've either been improving or growing or something like that in writing. I don't know if you've ever read back on your evals that you got, but some of the better ones I've read back on are some of the ones when I was just coming off of FTO and they were like pages long and I'm right, like wow yeah. like mm-hmm. I was pretty dumb but I did some things right yeah um and I think that's just a how how much longer does it take out of your day to make somebody feel individualized and that 
for them to know that you recognize their work. How much longer does that take? And then that pays off dividends down the road, I think. You know, I've only recently changed this, but part of our eval process is coming up with goals for the following year or have, if they're on FTO, the next Oh, oh hang phase. on. Hang on. That's perfect for this. Okay. That's perfect for this. Well, I think I've made an error and I've only recently changed it to where I would just make up goals for them. Oh, yes. Common, I would agree. Yeah. I would agree that that's an error. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you can't. I, I was lucky enough, not lucky enough, I'm not going to plug this class too, too much, but I was lucky enough to have gone through this class newly promoted. Mm. So I was really excited to get my first eval because I would pull that person in and I would talk to them and I would say, what goals do you have? Yep. Or I would say something like, where do you want to be in the next five years? Right. Yep. Okay. Well, let's pick three steps to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it was almost like arrogant of me to think that, no, oh, I know what's best for you. No, I think that you were a newly promoted supervisor. Mm-hmm. You saw list three goals on paperwork and you thought, geez, I got to list three goals, <laughs> right. right? That's yeah, what you're I, probably it, right. Yeah. you know, it, it, I think we look at evals as I must complete this for you. And maybe we look at it as I'm going to complete this with you. Ooh, that's a good way to look at it. Um, you know, I, it's the goals portion for that is is I think that's pretty important because you want to mold the next step in their career. That's a whole year. Sure, you're literally molding the next 365 days where you can make some leaps and bounds. Sure. in that time frame, especially in policing, and that also kind of demonstrates like that demonstrates everything about the in-group relationship, right? Like, so have you, the, the eval, have you been communicating with them? Have you been watching them? Have they been, um, making decisions? Have they been focused on their task? Do they have latitude to do these things? Do they not? Have they been exceeding that latitude as far as competence? Uh, are they, are they, uh, are they very good at doing this? So their latitude has grown. Um, have you appropriately supported them when it comes along, uh, provided them with attaboys when, it's needed and improvements when that's required. And then do you know where they want to be in the next three, five, 10, 20 years? And don't get me wrong. All of that can change. Yep. Uh, but how do you formulate that on paper? Okay. Where do you want to go? What do you want to do? Uh, think about like your 20 year guy. Cause I had a few of those when I first started, like a few 20 year guys and, uh, you would do their eval with them and they would be like, just put whatever you want on there. I'm like, no, no, you got to tell me, what do you want to do? Yeah. Okay, well, I want to um, I want to retire in, you know what I mean, like whatever, two more years. Okay, so maybe they only have one goal that's maintain good standing within the agency, you know, keep your staff, whatever, whatever sure. that may be. But it's silly for me to give the 20-year guy a goal of like write five search warrants this year yeah. and conduct 40 traffic stops. Like they're probably going to be doing some of that anyway. Yep. Just by virtue of the fact that they're so competent and tenured in their job. Um, yeah, they don't need that. All I, right, let me ask yeah. you this. God, Kind of transitioning a little bit, but... Mm. And maybe this doesn't... I think this applies. So you get promoted as a new supervisor or, or you're introduced into a new group. How does the formulation of in-groups and out-groups work? Like if you, come a, if you are now a new sergeant yeah. and you have eight people who you're working with is that what this next, the sampling, bargaining, yeah. and commitment phase? Yep. Okay. Sampling, so bargaining, like, and commitment. Talk yep. me through that. Like, how do you start developing in your in-group? So we really got into what we're looking for in an in-group, but we kind of glossed over the fact that we have to create this thing. At some point, there's going to be a start, yeah. right? It's either going to be a start for us, where we are put into a different group, or it's going to be a start for everybody else, where... We, I mean, it's going to go both ways where let's, you start a new unit and you're in charge of it. Um, but that very rarely happens, seldomly happens. And you're already going to have some sort of socialization that's occurred beforehand, right? And a culture that's formed. And how are you going to mold that? How are you going to direct that to your in-group? So let's talk about the uh, three-step process to developing this in-group. So let's look at it as, let's look at it as like you're a new sergeant and you come to patrol. Yep. 
your new supervisor and you go anywhere to a group that already exists or most of a group that already exists, well, what are they going to do first? The, it's, it's called sampling, but really they're going to take a look at you and you're going to take a look at them and they're going to see what you have to offer them. They're going to see, they're going to look at your history. They're going to look at your competency. They're going to see like how you act on scenes. They're going to see how you act with others, how you act with them. And they're going to make a decision of whether or not you're going to be an asset or a detriment to their in-group because don't ever forget that if you're stepping into a new position you're an out-group member stepping into an in-group yeah how do ways. you yeah sure how do you build that in-group into your in-group and how do you foster that and manipulate what's already there to make it better for the team's mission the unit's mission the agency's mission all the way up yeah because you have in your mind right what you're expecting from your in-group they have in their mind what they expect from you kind of thing. And you got to blend the two. Sure. And they're probably not going to align perfectly. No, no, I would say never perfectly, but there's always a middle ground. There's always, always a middle ground. Um, there's always something common that you can address for everyone to get everybody on the same sheet of music. Arguably. Right. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, you're going to relegate people to your out group and they're going to be not productive. And then it's just going to affect your in group. Um, we can talk about the out group a little bit more, too. Let's we'll focus on this. But we can talk about the out group a little bit more and um, how that can become an in group if you really make your in group wrong. Right. You can just yeah. ostracize yourself and people start trickling out to the out group. But yeah, that's actually what I was thinking. I was thinking you could really get into a situation where you're stubborn and you have expectations and you're not willing to deviate from them. And then it's just you. Everybody's in your out group because everybody. I Be like water, dog. Yeah. I think Bruce Lee said that without that last word on there. I don't, know, <laughs> yeah, I don't think he said dog. Um, but be like water. So, all right, sampling makes sense. So, sampling. So, I get it. you assess your followership and they assess you, which is yep. pretty, like, that's pretty commonsensical, right? So, then we'll look at uh, bargaining or the second phase or like the buy in phase where uh, do they perceive you as reliable? Um, are you offering them something good by them being in your in group? Right. So it's, I, I don't like the term bargaining for it. Uh, it makes it sound like oppositional because when you're bargaining, you have two different sides of the table, right? Uh, just by virtue of the word. Yeah. I don't like that because I think everybody's on the same team and it's just a matter of, hey, we can achieve the mission. I want you in on the mission and this is how we're going to achieve it. And everybody goes, sounds good to me. What does that take as a leader? That takes you to know your people, talk to your people. That's through the sampling phase, right? Right. Where you develop a mission. So you probably have a mission for your your 10 people that work with you, yep. right? A, a greater overall mission and then subsets of that. Okay, here's your goals. Here's your goals. Here's your goals, right? But everybody's Absolutely. bought into the overall mission, which can change and fluctuate and with the times and society and what whatever, whatever the mission is can be fluid. But that mission feeds into the overall patrol's mission, feeds into the division's mission of service to communities at the end of the day, right? Right. So they're going to look at that and say, okay, can I buy into this mission? Can I, can I get that? Is this person offering me something meaningful or are they um, just kind of here, right? Are they just yep. kind of here? Is there anything they can give me? Is there anything? Give, give is not a great word for this. Is there anything that I can learn from them to better myself? How's that? Is that a better way yeah, I like that. of pushing that? Um, and then maybe people... Maybe people don't see you as that and they relegate themselves to an out group, right? So that would take us to go see who's not really buying into the mission, maybe adjust the mission a little bit and bring them into the in-group. And then the final phase of that is the commitment phase where uh, we all shake hands after the bargain uh, and say, I agree to this, right? And that is they're, they're bought in. The relationships are established. They're growing and it really dictates how you'll act as a leader to your followers. I don't know if this is going to make any sense, but I'm going to try and articulate this. 
Is this something where you as the leader or whatever position you're in set the rules for your end group and then it's incumbent upon the people to meet those rules and then become part of the in group? Or is it you try to bring everybody into your in group and individualize it for everyone? Does that make sense? Like, yeah, I think you want to stretch the circle to bring people in. Okay. And you can you can socialize them and you can change the culture of it as you see fit. Um, so I, I'll give you an example. I, uh, I like physical exercise, right? Um, so I have my little in-group at work, which encompasses my now three people that work with me, right? right? Um, and part of it, like some of us like working out on the same thing and some of us don't, but what I'll do is like, I'll share some workouts. Like I'll share some workouts with one person and then the other person will ask me like, Hey man, did you, can you send me that workout too? You know what I mean? So it's like, you're kind of switching the culture. I know this is like a really, really subset version of changing culture, but you're really switching culture to like, Hey man, maybe, you know, like when, when one of my guys comes in and it's like, Oh man, that thing you sent me, was really hard. And the other, the other two are sitting there like, Oh, I mean, that sounds fun that they have this to communicate about. I would like to communicate about that thing too. Right. So, hey, can you send me that? Sure, sure, sure. And then you got the person who, not that not that any of my guys do this because we're all absolute physical specimens, but <laughs> um, maybe have the guy who doesn't work out or doesn't so much start to see the value in it. And maybe the value isn't necessarily physical fitness, but it's more... Um, a higher degree of communication. Do you know what I mean? I got from, you. from the leader and something to talk about in the socialization aspect. So now you have socialized this, um, this mindset of physical fitness just subversively. Yeah. It's not about the fitness, it's about the communication. Sure. You know, what's funny is that you have created a cult. Nah, I wouldn't say a culture, but you've mm -hmm. created a thing where people will send me workouts Sometimes I'm like, oh, it's a JP workout. I just know your workouts now. So I don't, it's not that I know them. You have a very uh, unique. I like lots of reps. A lot of reps. I like a lot of time most of the time. Yeah. It's because I, I hate myself. <laughs> and I think I'll send workouts out sometimes and maybe people are like, oh, that's a Gene Reed workout. Oh, yeah. Oh, I know something silly. Listen, <laughs> I, I know I know a Gene Reed workout when I see one. It's like uh, carry a sandbag up and down the driveway 30 times and then, uh, you know, rest indefinitely. I'm like, oh, geez, I don't want to do that, but I'll do it. I just don't want to. Somebody gave me recently one of those deck of cards things like the workout. Yeah. And I like it because depending on how I'm feeling that day, the number correlates with the intensity of the workout. Right. So a four is going to be less intense than a nine or a 10. So I was flipping through the other day and I've already in my mind, I'll just kind of like gauge how I'm feeling that day and I'll pick out a nine or a 10, no matter what it is, like I'm going to do it. Yeah. But this day it was 400 burpees and I was like, that's a lot. I'm going to shuffle that one back. That's in. a lot. That's <laughs> a lot right to the bottom of the deck. <laughs> Whoops, I that. dropped it. Um, yeah, that's funny. Yeah. But I don't even, what were we talking about? Coffee? Microwaves, microphones, in-groups and out-groups. In-groups and out-groups. Um, so, Gene, let's talk about... So, we talked about the in-groups and how we're going to build them. And it sounds like a lot of stuff, but really it can be captured in like real quick bits. It's just individualized attention for the greater mission. Can I say something real quick? Yes. And I think at some point during every episode or every podcast, I'm going to bring up jujitsu. Good. I think that's my goal. Do you know who John Danaher is? Tell me. He's like a world-renowned coach in jiu-jitsu. He posted something the other day, and he was actually on Lex Friedman's podcast. This guy's fascinating. He, PhD in psychology. No, psychology? I forget what he's a PhD in. Very brilliant guy. Anyway, he was talking about the difference between heuristics and details. Do you know what heurist heuristics are? Do you like how I said, tell me, because my answer was really no. So I'm going to say, tell me. Okay. Yeah. Heuristics are general principles and details are very specific things within those principles. Sure. Yeah. So it applies to jujitsu in the sense of, uh, if you're in somebody's guard and you want to pass their guard, generally speaking, you want to go in the opposite direction that their knees are pointing. Okay. That's a heuristic. Now we can get in some really crazy details about 
what you should do. But under the heat of pressure, like you're probably not going to remember the details, but you'll remember general principles. Sure. So that's kind of what you were just trying to summarize leader member exchange. I think it's the same thing in leadership in general. These philosophies and these theories have a lot of details to them. Yep. But if you just think about the general principles of them in the heat of the moon, when you're out there every day and like, if you just have these generalized ideas, I think that's the way to go. Don't, don't build minutia into this. Do you know what I mean? Are you going to go through your checklist and be like, am I providing this in-person influence on decision? Because I think I have task assignments. No, 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 no. You're going to go through and you're going to say, I'm communicating with this person. I'm providing them attention. And through that attention, since I'm providing them mentor things and communicating with them, I understand where they sit in in my little organization, in my little in-group. Uh, I, I see how well they do their job and the job latitude I can provide to them and the influence on decision-making because it's, it is incumbent on us as a leader to provide the newer members with a little more influence on decision-making. That's, that's what I was going to hit on is all yeah. this is a big generalized thing. And if you do most of these things, well, you're probably hitting all of these points without knowing it. So like if you have some downtime at work, right. And you get a bunch of your guys together and gals and you say, where do you guys want to go? What do you guys want to do? Who are you going to ask that to? Are you going to ask that to the most tenured person? Or are you going to ask that to the most junior person? Or are you going to flip-flop each time? Yep. Um, if you're a new guy on my team, guess what? You got about two weeks before you're calling the ball. Yeah. And you're going to call the ball and it's going to work or it's not going to work. Okay. And then it's going to be somebody else's turn to call the ball. And I do that publicly. I do that over the radio or in our morning briefings. And it, everybody knows what it is. Everybody knows what it is. And if you're newer, you're not going to have as much latitude, but you're probably going to have the priority task summit. Okay. Where do you want to go? What do you want to do? Okay. I want to go to this area and I want to be the UC car. Great. Everybody on board with that. Okay. Super. Let's do it. If it's a really tenured person, I might have less job latitude with them and, um, less support where I'm just really hands off. If it's one of my like real senior guys, I, I might sit in the office and take care of paperwork. If it's one of my really junior guys, I might be out there micromanaging a little bit more. Uh, it all depends. And at the end of the day, we're going to sit down and talk about what went right and what went wrong. And that feeds into the communication and attention. So you can see how in one little bite in like a 15 minute interaction that feeds through the rest of the day, how you can really implement this particular theory into leadership? Is it also recognizing the skill sets and the competency of your people? Yes. Does it feed into other leadership things? Sure. But let's talk about, if I can, turn a little bit, just a little bit, and we'll talk about um, like the the family dynamic. So let's talk about how this can be utilized in a personal setting. So again, I am married and I have two children, and we just went through a pandemic, right? So I have. Are we still in a pandemic? I don't, dude. I don't know. I think um, we are still in one. I'm well. Then we're surviving a pandemic. Okay. Present progressive. Um. So I have two in groups in my household, right? I have the in group of me and my wife in which my children are excluded, right? They are not in that in-group. They are in the out-group of that particular relationship. And then I also have the in-group where they are included, which includes me, my wife, and my children, right? What about the dogs? Uh, The dogs are perpetually in the in-group because uh, they are good dogs. Um, (laughs) (laughs) By virtue of the fact that they are good dogs. So... You look at just simple relationship stuff. So let's talk about my first thing group with me and my wife. So maybe we argue a lot or maybe something's not going right this week. This is the perfect thing. And it's typically the first thing on this that goes wrong and is, are we communicating? Am I communicating with that person and um, providing them with the necessary like uh support that's needed to them um you know that's a big thing in personal relationships hey you did this really you know you don't want just attaboys for nothing but are we talking do i see what's important to you and am i recognizing that um and i think that's probably one of the biggest things that can go down in that particular in-group 
is communication because obviously you're going to provide your uh, partner with some influence on decision making. So when it comes to education, my influence on the decision making um, as far as education for our children right. goes mostly to my wife mm. because that's not my forte. What yeah. do you think? What do you think on this? And she'll tell me and I'll say, that sounds good to me. It's still a co- collaborative effort, right? Right. But um, I don't really get to make a lot of those decisions because she is the expert on it. Yeah. Um, if it comes to finances, most of the time that's me. She'll say, I want to do this thing or I would like to save for this. How can we do that? Right. Mm-hmm. And then we'll assign tasks. So um, I want Dominic to go to this school or do this thing or do this particular thing. And I want you to take him there. OK, sounds good. No problem. I can I can take care of it or I want to save three hundred dollars a month. And here's how we're going to do it. Yeah. Right. So now we are communicating. We have our tasks assigned. Maybe you don't have a great priority of task assignment when it's just two people because it's more of a cooperation. Yeah. But let's build that group out, right? So now let's include my children in the in the whole in-group, which is really what you want to have. You want a family dynamic where everybody's in the in-group, right? Because if somebody's relegated to the out-group, what's, what's going to happen with them? Your family dynamic is going to kind of kind of fall apart. Yeah, especially in family. Like a lot of things had to go wrong probably for that to happen. Sure. But how do we how do we provide influence on decision-making, priority task assignment, job latitude to children. What do we do? Well, it can be something as simple as, hey, we're going to go out to dinner tonight. Do you want to go to A, B, or C? Beautiful. Right? So now my littlest guy has an influence on the decision, right? Or, hey, do you want to play the Nintendo? What game do you want to play? Do you want to go to the park? Okay. So it's it's a an influence on the entire family unit, right? So you have buy-in, you can determine where we go, what we do. Um okay, if we're playing a game, right? Do you want to be the first player? Do you want to be the person who's in charge? Do you want to do this, right? Priority of tasks. Um and then job latitude, am I going to help you do it? Right. You ever try to help? How old your daughter? She'll be two in July. Does she still like help or does she not like help? Oh, it depends. Does I guess it depends like on the task, help? huh? She loves making choices. Yeah. So if we're having breakfast, do you want strawberries or blueberries? Mm-hmm. Which one? Mm-hmm. That's a great question. She likes helping. Um, likes being of service, but probably if you give her something to do that she is pretty competent in doing and you say, do you want help? Yeah, she the answer is no. no. Now that I'm thinking about it. Right. Yeah, and she'll say no seven times in a row. Right. Like, no, 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 no. So there, I mean, there's your there's your miscalculation with like attention. You know what I mean? In that relationship. And that's okay. Um, like just yesterday, we're, we're at swim lessons and we're getting dressed after swimming. And uh, I go to my, uh, go to my five-year-old and I say, hey, dude, you know, you need help getting dressed. And he looked at me like... Uh, like I had just called him a jerk or something like that. And I was like, oh, all right, you all right, pal, you, mind. you, you do it. Uh, do you want to wear this or this? Do you want to do this or that? You know what I mean? So we are providing them with small choices. I'm not going to go to my eight year old and say, Hey man, do you think I should invest the mortgage payment in this today <laughs> and try to pull out some, you know what I mean? But smaller scale decisions, do you want to take, I mean, like, just think about, just think about smaller scale decisions you can give your kids, right? Hey, we're going to school today, right? That's, that's yep. non-negotiable. Mm-hmm. We're going to school. Do you want to ride in my truck or do you want to take mommy's car? Right. Yep. And then when they get to pick my little guy, I'll do, oh, I want to ride in the truck. And then right before we leave, I actually want to ride in mommy's car. Okay. Okay. Right. Do you uh, pick out no their problem. clothes for them? Uh, sometimes. It, it depends. Um, so again, there's something we'll give parameters on without directly micromanaging it. So, hey, it's going to be a little bit chilly today. You can wear long pants and a long shirt. Pick it out. Right. Right. And sometimes these boys, it doesn't matter how old they are, will come out in grout fits um, or all one color or two different colors of camo. Whatever. Hey, man. I mean, maybe that doesn't match, but if that's what you want to do, I want you to live your life. 
Um, this is fascinating to me because, you know, it's it's a you can call it a parenting style, I guess, if you want, but you're developing children early on to be free thinkers and have, uh, you know, make their own decisions. Because you could just have a parenting style where you just make all the decisions for them. Sure. And probably not many people would think and think twice about it. It's like, oh, well, you're an adult and they're four. Mm-hmm. So, but small scale decisions though, right? Yeah. Not, not fundamental. Nothing no. is going to change the whole mission, but we're all on the, let's say the mission of the night is get dinner, right? Yep. You can shape that mission. You can shape what we, what we want to do. Okay. Uh, you want to go to the green turtle. Why do you want to go to the green turtle? Well, they want to go to the green turtle because there's a TV at the booth. Uh, That's why. Um, but okay. So are we going to allow that? Or are we not going to allow that? Does that fit the mission or does that not fit the mission? Um, so like you can also see where these groups, you might have a problem if they overlap in the wrong way. Right. So during our first little lockdown, we, me and my wife decided that we are going to have multiple decisions each night at dinner. Right. So we'll have, we'll plan meals for the week and then somebody's going to pick what we have. Another person is going to pick where we eat in the house. And then another person is going to pick what music we listen to at dinner time. Um, Can I stop you right there? Yeah. We did not listen to music um, when we ate dinner. When I grew up, my wife's family does. Yeah. I love it. We are in and out of that. Um, There's only so many times that people want to listen to Fleetwood Mac's rumors with me (laughs) all the way through. Uh, But um, so, so yeah, so we'll do that. It's a lot of smaller decisions but it doesn't impact the overall mission of we're having dinner, but now it's buy-in, right? So how do we provide that? How do we go back and provide some sort of support to it? Like uh, something stupid, like it can be something stupid, just like, Hey man, I really like this song. This is a good pick. Yeah. It's a really cool song. I haven't heard this one before or, uh, or, you know, like uh, if, if we let the oldest one help making oodles of noodles or something like that, like, oh, you cook these really well. Yeah, it tastes great. You know, tastes great, whatever. Or mm-hmm. you can do that with your significant other and provide small supportive things. Uh, typically, you don't want to provide the inverse of supportive like, ah, uh, yeah, well, you know what? I'll do that sometimes um, where it's like, uh, oh, man, you made this, but you made too much. I'm going to eat it all. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, because um, I'm a dope, but you can see uh, you can see where in something like the pandemic in group how that can kind of bleed over. So now my oldest might think that he can make more fundamental decisions on things. So we ran into that where uh, you're kind of out kicking your coverage on your decision making, bud, and you think that just because we give you a lot of influence on decision and priority of task that you have a latitude to jump to other I got things to make decisions on that. And we actually ran into that where it's like, Hey buddy, listen, you're a kid. You're eight. Thank you for your input. It's not wanted here. Nobody's talking to you. You're, you're in this one group. You're not in this other group. Okay. Yeah. Cool. And that, that had us take a look at ourselves and what we're doing. And we're like, Ooh, maybe we need to have some more stringent rules. Maybe we need to close yeah, think that about latitude like, a little bit more. Like, why would he even think that? Because that's what I would no, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's the conversation I would have. It'd be like, okay, well, what have we done that made the kid think that they can do this? Well, because we're trapped in a house all the time and he takes that position of big brother a lot and he thinks he can tell his little brother what to do all the time, and we recognize that we gave a little too much latitude and a little too much responsibility to him. So now we gotta kinda not scale that back, but kind of nip it just a little bit. Just you know, you don't need to be telling your brother like whatever you know what i mean like oh no you can't ask to have that like bro don't don't do my job for me yeah but you can see that in a work environment too if you don't regulate and communicate with the latitude and people start um maybe taking advantage of the latitude that you have given them and they're Mm. stepping outside of that how do you rectify that it's just like the family dynamic right where luckily i have a partner in my family life but you also don't forget you have partners at 
work. So you have a supervisor in group two that you can go to and say, hey, I think this person is out kicking their coverage on this and yeah. I've given them maybe a little too much latitude. How do I bring them back and keep them still my in group? Because you don't want to go there and say, oh, you're doing all this wrong. Mm-hmm. Maybe you want to phrase it like, hey, I appreciate your initiative in this. I really, so where, why do you think you're taking so much initiative in this? I really don't need you to do that. Can you scale it back down? And I'll tell um, you what, that can get out of control very quickly. Sure. If you don't nip it early sure. on. Sure. But now they're kind of going outside the in-group. Yeah. They're formulating themselves into an out-group because if you just let that go and they keep going and seem like they're taking advantage and, you know, the rest of the group might ostracize that person. That's true. So yeah. Because they re- the, everybody else in the group recognizes the rules and that person doesn't. Right. So why does... Why does Dominic get to have two cookies and Bear only gets to have one? You know what I mean? If we haven't had a discussion about that, or why does why does Dominic have to eat all of his dinner and Bear just has to eat most of his dinner? Well, you're you're bigger, you're growing, you're in athletics. He's you know what I mean. What whatever, however you want to phrase that uh, for your kids, it also you're also recognizing their skill sets too and where they want to be when they want to be there, their goals, you're providing them with the attention. You can see how all of this comes comes around and around and around uh, forever and ever and ever. But you can also kind of see how this doesn't function just by itself. No. Right? You also have to recognize uh, the skill set of everybody. It's a beautiful partnership between situational and leader member exchange. Sure. And this is what we were talking about in the first one where maybe – Maybe the issue isn't their skills and commitment. Maybe the issue is that we're not providing them enough job latitude and they're starting to get ostracized from the in-group. Or maybe we just don't communicate with them and they just feel like they're in the out-group. Um, I also think this is another thing that's constantly evolving. Sure. Of everything. Everything. with Again, you're not going to plant flowers and be like, good luck. Good luck, flower. Um, it's constant work. You're going to check on it. You're going to check in on it. Uh, you're going to look and make sure it's growing and developing in a way that it's supposed to. It's um, it's all constant work and it's never going to be perfect and it's never going to be done. That leadership stuff, just like parenting. When my kids turn 18, am I done? No. Right. Well, maybe. I don't know. Are certain facets done? Maybe. Maybe. But maybe I'm done insofar as they're no longer my in-group. Right? So this doesn't apply to them anymore. Maybe. Yeah. I'm going to ask you a question that I kind of... Did I already ask this? I might might have. The time frame? I know what you're going to say. You're going to say it all depends. But generally speaking, if you're put into a new situation, what is your general time frame on establishing... And get that in group kind of like where you want it. So I like to just kind of see where everybody is. I'll set ground rules when I get there. Hey, yeah. here's here's my overall mission. Um, I have it in my little book here for you if you'd like to read my first day speech for anybody new coming into the unit. Um, but I just kind of like to see where they're at. I like to automate. This is a group that I've already established. So this is something that I've already um, developed a culture for and everybody is socialized and everybody's on the same page except maybe like one or two people. It's much easier to bring those one or two into the in-group by virtue of peer pressure, right? Yeah. I want to be here. I want to work. So let's look at like a new sergeant assigned to a different group, right? Let's look at that. So I would probably give that um, a couple weeks, something like that. Make sure that everything's on the rails, right? Yeah. Make sure everything's okay. See where everybody's at. Go out and talk to everybody. You're going to start right away with this in-group processing because you're going to go out and you're going to talk to everybody, right? You're not just going to show up and be like, well, here I am. I'm yep. the boss and mm-hmm. uh, go. You know, you're going to say like, what do you want to do? Where do you want to go? Um, what do you have trouble with? What do you like? And maybe the trouble with thing is a later on discussion after you've gotten through that initial sampling phase and into a more commitment phase because it's harder for people to talk about. I'm having failures with this and I'd like to achieve this. You know, it's, it's goals are difficult for people to put out because once you put your goal out, you are subjugated to two things, success or failure. Yep. Um, which is difficult for people to deal with and arguably rightfully so because it's going to be public either way you're either going to have a public success or a public failure and it's just establishing that communication off the bat for me establishing that communication off the bat seeing where everybody is assessing their skills 
and how much influence I'm going to give them, how much tasks, you know what I mean? And meeting as a group and you can paint with a broad brush with support. Hey, I'm going to go to bat for you. As long as you fit within our policy procedures, um, I'm going to go to bat for you. You just got to tell me where you're coming from. Okay. All right, cool. So there's our, there's our support. And then attention is how do I fine tune you? personally? Or how do I fine tune the group? Maybe how do I fine tune the mission? How do I make the mission work? So right now we're on the, uh, the targeted by calls for service policing, right? Maybe that changes, right? Maybe it does. Maybe it changes to, uh, each officer has a neighborhood. How do I adjust that mission for everybody in my in group? Constantly changing. Yeah. Any parting words? Um, no, I guess, I guess, I guess I'll just reiterate the same thing that we've been reiterating throughout the last one through this one is this is a tool in the toolbox. This is another tool in the toolbox. I think this is a tool that you should really focus on using. You should have an in-group and you should make people, you should make everybody that works for you feel that they're in your in-group. This has nothing to do with personality. Hopefully this has nothing to do with personality. This has everything to do with establishing a good working relationship among everyone in your group. When I say that has nothing to do with personality, I mean, um, if you don't particularly get along with somebody and they're in your followership, you need to suck that up and bring them into your in group. Yeah. That's a great point. Just so everybody works well together. That's all it is. It's having a team. This is team building. This goes to, are you coaching little league? Are you, you know what I mean? Are you coaching high school football, college football, you want everybody on that team to know they're in that in-group. Everybody on that team knows the mission. Everybody on that team knows where everybody else stands, and everybody knows they're not equal because this is an individualized theory, right? But they're all going to be provided with all of these things in some level, and they know that because they're on that team, and it all goes round and round because the leader has something to produce to them. I can make you a better police officer. I can make you a better football player. I can make you a better human being with children, right? Um, it, this is, this, this traverses so many levels, but it's a very simple thing. Build a, build a team and foster that team. I like it. I'm not going to add anything to that. Cause that was beautiful. Thanks Thank for, you. uh, thanks for doing this, man. Oh, I really appreciate you having me. Um, and, uh, I'd like to make this awkward now at the end. So I can say like, thanks and all that stuff. So, okay. Bye. Oh, Tulu.